Welcome to Influence Me, a series of podcasts where the prime focus is leadership. I'm Assistant Commissioner Andrew Short, and I'm going to be hosting a series of podcasts where I get to interview a variety of guests, both internal and external to QFES. The topic is something extremely important to us, and one that is central to the success of QFES. I want to talk with these guests about leadership, and I want to learn more about leadership from the thoughts and experiences of others. I want to be influenced. Today's guest, Eleni Drakakis, is a Brisbane-based business psychologist helping high-performing leaders go from good to great, COVID-19 times go from surviving to thriving. With more than a decade behind her, Eleni's worked with organisations like Volkswagen and Deloitte and the key people behind them through one-on-one business consulting, presentation skills and high-performance leadership programs and career guidance. She helps leaders cultivate the right mindset, culture and leadership skills through the science of psychology to inspire a happy and motivated team, whether it's through the daily challenges of business or the unfolding crisis like COVID-19. She inspires personal, professional and organisational change to keep businesses thriving with productivity, profitability and a positive social impact. Eleni has a Master's in Organisational Psychology, Bachelor in Psychological Science and is an APRA registered and endorsed organisational psychologist. Eleni, it's great to have you here today. The topic which I want us to explore is big egos in leadership. And now if I was going to drop a few names out through history, and I'm going to pick people who aren't with us anymore just to protect the innocents, mm-hmm. Benino Mussolini, King George VIII, Marie Antoinette, all people who are famous in history for probably the right reasons and the wrong reasons, what would be your initial comment in terms of their personality? I think definitely memorable and charismatic personalities. And I think it's really interesting when we look at leadership that you know, almost we need a bit of ego or charisma or charm quite often to get us in that leadership seat and for that likability piece. So, you know, quite often I think in the past it's actually something that people do look for and naturally kind of connect with their leaders on, that kind of charm and charisma. So I think ego is important, but we don't want to overuse it type thing. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a bit. Mm. Um, I, I see it as being a spectrum. Yes. You know, where you have a range of yes. ego. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly before we get into you know what, what ego is and what it isn't, I'm going to rely on your yeah. um, qualifications to assist in this little chat we're having. Would you say that when egos become too big? When do they become too when big? When they become too big or, or when they become too big that they're a problem. Absolutely, because I think, you know, it's always that balance between the self-interest and the collective interest. So I think when that self-interest and ego comes to the fore and gets too much out of control, that's when the balance kind of gets out of whack. And that's when you start seeing some of those dark side or derailing behaviours can actually cause you to lose support. And certainly my experience has been, and we, we see this in media, we see it in leadership moments when things go off the rails, mm-hmm. that uh, leaders can sometimes be shown to be acting in their self-interest and not the actual collective interest. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to help set the scene for me a little bit, I'm not a psychologist (laughs) and maybe I'm one of those people who's got enough knowledge to be a little bit dangerous. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Certainly, you know, the literature when when you read about ego Mm -hmm. talks about different components Absolutely. To, to an ego. Could you walk us through and just help the listeners maybe get a, a bit of an understanding of what Ego 101 is? Certainly. So I think, you know, 
ego, super ego, and the id. That comes from Sigmund Freud. Yep. And, you know, back in the day, it's, it was actually his attempt or take at describing personality. So, um, you know, before we had technology, before we had a lot of understanding of the structure, the physical structure of the brain, he kind of came up with this philosophical take on personality. And that's where we get ego, id and superego, right? So he thought it was this triad of um, systems that combine together to form personality. So the id is kind of all of our natural passions, desires, and our repressed memories in Freudian terms. The superego is our moral compass and our ideal self. And the ego is the intermediary that's kind of trying to manage the id and the, the pleasures and the desires. And, you know, keep that's that a tough super job. ego. It's an absolutely <laughs> tough job. So they often, the, the common analogy is that the it is the horse yep. and the ego is the rider. Ah, so it's, yep. you know, the ego's job to try to pull the it into line and get that horse to bolt in the direction that, you know, he or she wants it to bolt in, keeping in mind kind of some of the more socially desirable aspects of things and moral compass and social code type thing. So the it just doesn't go out of control and on its own. Yeah, so, which... Uh, go, takes to places which were what well, I was describing earlier in some of the names yeah. I, I used. The term ego trip. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's a the quote uh, by a author by the name of Robert Half, which he says, ego trip, a journey to nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> What's your take on that quote? Well, I think sometimes it can lead us to like a short-term win or a short-term pleasure feel but over time short-term gain for a long-term loss yeah. you know if yeah. you're not pointed in the right direction it might seem like a good idea at the time but have you really properly thought it through and all the consequences not only for yourself but for those around you particularly that you're trying to yeah. lead and, yeah. and direct the damage that can be done by someone whose ego is out of control or maybe they lack the self-awareness yeah to know what they are and what they are. Again, we see it in media, we see it in our organisations. Is it something which is a problem for people who are seeking to be the best leader they can be? If they, don't, if they don't understand it and they don't take action? Absolutely, because I think it's a protective mechanism. You know, when the ego goes up, quite often we're fearing, feeling fear, we're feeling intimidated, we're feeling unsure. But unfortunately, we just put that barrier up, that ego up, that just makes um, other people less inclined or less comfortable actually coming and speaking to us on level yeah. type thing. So the ego can absolutely get in the way. And not only does it rub other people up the wrong way, it's actually quite self-damaging to that leader or that person if they do leave it kind of out of check. So is it that ego can sometimes get in the way in the sense that it becomes a self-protective mechanism. Why does it want to do that? Why does it want to, maybe when that moment comes where a, the best leader would, would uh, own a mistake yeah. or the best leader would take advice yeah. and reflect on it, Absolutely. Why does it go the other way? What's what's that about? I think look, when we're under pressure, we always revert back to our comfort zone and where we feel comfortable. So quite often that isn't in that kind of leader and learner mindset that you're talking about or growth mindset where we are feeling kind of strong enough to actually be able to put our hand up and say, hey, I think I got it wrong. I'm not quite sure here. What do you think? And actually being open to the fact that perhaps we don't have all the answers or perhaps we don't know at all. So I think that's where people kind of fall back on the ego and it can actually be quite counterproductive. I've actually seen situations where, and the expression that 
sometimes is used by individuals who may suffer having to battle their ego all the time and maybe not getting it under control as you described yes. early. The term being throw someone under the, bu- under the bus. And I've heard that term used in a proud or boastful way. Yeah. You know, as if I'm so sure of myself, I'm quite willing to throw someone under the bus, a good person. Yeah. Because I, I know that the greater good, you know, the greater mission requires that. Talk to me about the psychology behind that. Yeah, I think when you talk to me about that, the first thing that really comes to mind is the role of the leader to kind of support and lift up his or her team, right? Especially when you've got a power imbalance or difference. When you hold more power, it's actually more onus and responsibility on you to make sure that that other person feels that they can trust you and they feel safe around you. Throwing someone on, you know, under the bus or hanging them out to dry type thing. That's the exact antithesis of what a good leader should be doing. Yeah, and the, the, there's another little expression, another, another quote actually, uh, and the quote is, the ego's job is to kill everything but itself. Which to me, you know, <laughs> I think articulates that notion that if it's going to come down to between me or you or me and another person, mm. then it's not going to be me. Mm. And it's a bit sad, I find, sometimes when you see people who probably in, in the you know, deep in their heart, they know they're wrong. However, they can't get past you know, maybe the embarrassment that they fear or the expressing that, that maybe they didn't get it right. Uh, it's really quite interesting. Absolutely. It's a very self-protective and, you know, the unfortunate thing is though that sometimes those leaders can really rise up the ranks in big organisations and just keep moving to the top and just leaving this trail of destruction behind them. Yeah. And certainly I think there's been quite a lot of research done on that notion of that more senior people become, the more they can be prone to those moments. But I just want to move now, given that this these this podcast series is about trying to discuss things and maybe give people pathways or give give people options. What's your advice to to people who might be listening who have worked or are working for someone who have these traits? Yeah. What, What can they do? It's very difficult, isn't it? I think you have to pick your battles with these kind of leaders. So certainly uh, because they are often quite interested in their own self-interest, I think, you know, if you want to be successful and have any kind of collaborative working environment with this kind of leader, you've got to take the time to understand what is important to them and what role you can play in terms of helping them to achieve their outcomes and for them to look good. So I think it takes a lot of maturity when dealing with these kind of leaders because you kind of got to accept that uh, maybe even though you've contributed or you've been the reason or the cause for this particular outcome or success, you might not always get that pat on the back or that acknowledgement from that particular leader. Your payoff might look quite different um, with that kind of leader with a big ego. I think the expression that is commonly used in this context is managing upwards. Absolutely. There's part of me that wants to go on and talk about what can people who maybe suffer the challenge or maybe they're stuck in a situation where they are exhibiting some really negative leadership traits through not having ego under control. Yeah. Uh, And and I do get the whole notion of there's nothing wrong with with a healthy ego. And 
uh, indeed, that's probably what I want to see in my leaders, that yes. they are confident, yes. that they believe in themselves. Ideally, I like to see them believe in their values yes. as an underpinning uh, notion of leadership. Uh, but certainly it's not about people not being bold. And I want to emphasise that point to our listeners. Uh, it's more about really being able to discern between when it's healthy and it's positive and when it's um, outrightly selfish. Yep. And, and I think uh, I was going to sit here and say, what could we say to a person who's suffering that? But that person wouldn't be listening. <laughs> Would <laughs> they be. may be. They might <laughs> they be. <might> be. <laughs> they might be. Look, I think coming back to what you said, uh, it's a continuum of behaviour. So absolutely, confidence and boldness and charisma and charm, they're super important in leadership and they're always going to be important. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just about that leader, uh, you know, having that finesse and that experience and that just um, capability to know when to deploy those behaviours to get the right outcome and not overuse them. So yes, when you're... Um, dealing with a leader one level or two levels up you've probably got to put on your best kind of charming and most charismatic and confident and bold self but you absolutely do not need to take that same approach when you're dealing with your direct reports or someone lower down than you in a hierarchy right because that's not going to make them feel comfortable it's not going to make them have trust for you and open up and be vulnerable and tell you the correct information that you actually need to hear to make the right decisions. So I think, you know, yeah, it's not not acknowledging that having an ego is good or bad, but just being able to channel it in the right direction, keep it under wraps a little bit. And I think, you know, the safest place to start to kind of um, try to unpack if you are worried about it is to seek kind of a trusted advisor, maybe outside of your organisation or your direct line, because it might be easier and um, less confronting to start exploring that kind of, outside of your critical stakeholder group. Yeah. What about that moment when someone feels like, you know, that they can't manage upwards to a level of success uh, where they feel like their own values are getting belted? Not, yeah. I won't say um, direct threat, but in, implied threats that if people don't do certain things and, you know, you're not going to be rewarded and, and all these things that can happen. What serious options should people take in this in that situation it's such a hard one isn't it because i just want to preface it by saying you know now in contemporary kind of human resource management and recruitment and all of that we really do place a high emphasis on cultural fit and values and morals because it is important for each individual and each leader to be quite aligned to the organizational culture and way of doing things around here so you know, first and foremost, if you have gone through a process that identifies some of these cultural fit factors, you're much less likely to be in the situation that you've spoken about because it is a really difficult situation when you do find yourself in a situation that you and your leader have vastly different values, right? Yeah. It's very, very difficult to reconcile if you've got a, a, value, a value misalignment or cultural misalignment. Uh, because it can be very hard to understand where each other are coming from and because when there's that power differential in place, yeah, you know, it's much harder for you to kind of fight back and kind of um, speak up and say, I don't feel comfortable doing this. Uh, So I think, you know, a good place to start is if you've got some peers around you that are also dealing with this same manager as you, it can, can be helpful, you know, if you do it in a productive way and you're coming from the right place in terms of trying to uh, establish a good relationship with this leader and trying to overcome some of these differences. I think it can be good to speak to peers about this and find out 
what strategies and what approaches do they try to take with this particular leader? Yeah, a lot to be said for networking and um, feeding into that network for what is some pretty important uh, advice or counsel that you may seek. Um, Would you agree though that in the end sometimes you've got to take the choice to get the hell out of Dodge? Absolutely. I think more often than not that is actually the only way. Yeah. Because if you're coming from a different moral standpoint, you're just constantly going to be butting heads at the end of yeah. the day. I, I was with the, uh, I was down at the Police Institute uh, in Sydney like last year and we were wrapping up the course with a bunch of senior people. And I was like, I was fortunate enough to be there as one of the course fellows. And I got asked a question, you know, what advice do you have for this group? Take on the challenges that, that wait for them. And I found myself saying to the group, uh, whatever you do, don't lose yourself. What, what's, your, what's your take on that expression? I think expression? that's so important and you've reminded me, you know, back when I was earlier career and I had mentors say that exact same thing to me. Eleni, don't lose the essence of who you are. No matter, you know, wh- where you end up in your career, it's just so important to be you and that authenticity in terms of what you're about, what's important to you, what your values are, that's going to be the thing that cuts through and gets people to connect with you and gives you influence as yeah, a leader. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Eleni, we're going to move into the final phase now, yeah. which and these are set uh, five set questions that um, I use of every guest. People who have listened to previous podcasts will pick up that there's been a change to one of the questions, but I'll leave it at that. So the first question is, Eleni, what do you wish you really understood? I think, yeah, you know, understanding people's different moral compasses and where they're coming from sometimes. I think, you know, if we look at it in the social backdrop of today, there's been a lot going on in the media around people's different motivations and their values. And it can be really, really difficult to reconcile what drives behaviour sometimes. Big big differences. Absolutely. The second question is, what do you wish that other people understood about you? I think it really ties into what we just discussed, so stereotyping. I think it can be so easy for, you know, it's just a brain heuristic shortcut to make an evaluation about someone when you meet them, whereas, you know, each individual can be so diverse and, you know, you might look at them demographically or ethnicity, race, all these kind of demographic factors, but there might actually be a lot more to that We want person. to jam, we want to jam that shape into that, into that, you we know, do. that hole. It's, it's what we do as humans. And, uh, and I think that's that's great advice. Question three, what type of leader do you prefer? I do like a coaching uh, type of leader. So someone who can motivate me and coach me and give me that time and space to reach my own conclusion. But that said, sometimes it is very comforting as well to have a leader that's a real doer and can actually show you through their actions what the pathway to success is. Excellent, thank you. Question four, in respect to leadership development, and the options that come with leadership development. What advice would you give to the younger version of yourself? I think uh, just being more mindful of and aware about it all coming back to values and how everything starts and ends with your value in respect to your behaviour and your success. So I think just putting more emphasis on that in general earlier on, I think is really useful for people. It's actually handy as we all get older, we're a little bit wiser. Yes. And so we have these little reflective moments, which is is wonderful. Question five, the final question, how do you prefer to deliver bad news in person by text message, by Snapchat, by TikTok, 
which is apparently the, the, the latest one, or by Carrie Pigeon. What's your view? I like that you were aware of all these different <laughs> platforms. Um, I think, you know, it's always got to be in person. And I think you have to know the person that you're delivering the feedback to. So understanding something about their personality and their style and how they like to get feedback. And honestly, if you don't know that much information about that person in front of you, are you actually the right person to give that other person the bad feedback or should it be coming from someone else type thing because you've got to earn that respect and that trust to be able you know for the other person to really take you seriously when you've got to give some really critical or constructive feedback which can be tough very confronting it's probably the thing that if if i had if i was asking what what skill would you give people by pulling out a magic wand it'd be the ability to engage you know in, at those moments and, and do it in a way where um, you know people don't feel like they're, they're winners or losers. That's it. It's got to come from a place of empathy and trust and understanding. I think that brings us to our end. I'm going to pop one more quote in, which uh, I think uh, is really important and goes to the, to the notion of understanding one's uh, ego and how that operates. And this was our former president, Harry, Harry Truman, who had the view that it is amazing what you can accomplish if you do not care who gets the credit. What's your thoughts on that? So profound and so true. Well, thank you very much for your time. I've really enjoyed this and I hope there's some messages and reflection and, and learnings in there for people. It's a tough thing, but uh, it's who we are. It's part of us. Again, thank you very much, Eleni, for giving me some of your precious time. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, okay. Andrew. Bye.